Have you ever heard someone say that person's priorities are all out of whack? Someone say that about you. What would God say about your priorities? These are life's big questions, and at the beginning of a new year, it's a great time to examine your life's priorities. I'm Dan Wheeler, joined by Brian Rowland and Terry Steen, and we are the hosts of Finish Strong. We want to finish our lives in a way that would be pleasing to God. It's like a runner going for that finish line. That's when you really turn on all of your speed. You save it for that last push. And that's what we're about here. But we want to talk about priorities because that kind of determines how we run our race every day. Guys, uh, we talk about what's at the top of someone's list. Is it your job? Is it your family? Is it your house? Is it your reputation? What are your priorities? I mean, it's really important. If you don't have your priorities right, your life's not going to be right. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. And I I do think that it seems like the various seasons of life that you're going through impact your priorities. That's a good point. Uh, and, And I know as we'll talk, there's ultimate values that we need to make sure those are or become our ultimate priorities. But when you have little children, when you're in the middle of your career, if you're just starting a career, the different seasons of life does impact your priorities. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that, Brian? Yep, I sure do. But I also think that if you, what they used to say, uh, where is your heart lie? They say, look in your checkbook and your credit card statements. <laughs> and I think they'll find out that that's where your priorities are as well. Uh, the one thing, though, about priorities, before you can really Make your priorities. You have to have your heart right. And if your heart's in the right place, then you make your right priorities. Yeah, boy, that reminds me of Matthew uh, 6, where Jesus is saying, you know, lay not up for your treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, but Mm -hmm. lay up your treasures in heaven for where your treasure is, there will your heart be. And that's really good insight. You can tell a person's priorities by their spending habits, by their Mm -hmm. Checkbook. Uh, boy, there's some great examples given in the Bible as to what a person's priorities are. One of the guys that gave some advice on that, uh, Terry, was called the wisest man who ever lived, King Solomon. Yeah, it's interesting that you would give me that one because <laughs> Solomon and I have so much in common, we can relate. So, you know, that kind of wasn't what I was after. That's but, not hey, where you with, were going? Oh, Let's go with that. Yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> wink, wink. Well, as we all know, Solomon wrote Proverbs, which is full of tons and tons of wisdom. But he also wrote Ecclesiastes. Mm-hmm. And if you read Ecclesiastes, you can tell it's a little bit late in his life. He was somewhat on the downhill slope, it appeared. He was starting to make some mistakes. But he pulled it together for the very end, the last few verses, and he had it figured out. Listen to what it says. For now, all have heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Of his 12 chapters, here's the conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So if we will fear God meaning we will reverence, we will be in awe of, we will bow down and worship, we will keep him the center of everything we do, and then um, keep his commandments. If we'll do those two things, 
everything else falls in line. And by keeping his commandments, we know that we've got our life lined up with his word that everything works for good in that process. And the first and greatest commandment sets the the tone. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Yeah. Uh, You know, we were talking earlier, Brian, about fearing God. And boy, that's the beginning of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Having that priority is number one. Right. So that was Solomon. And uh, Paul had something to say about it, Brian. Yeah, he did. Of course, we know Paul for writing his letters uh, to the church like in Corinth and then the Philippians, the Philippi. And um, he says over in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. That's good. And we all should do that. But then he says, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So you look at that and you go, wait a minute, let's pull back a little bit. <laughs> but right. I think what Paul was telling us is that he wasn't afraid to suffer. And that might not just be beatings in that. It's just, you know, you, you suffer every day with people with their, that what they know what you believe and they won't give you the time of day or they, they put you in a whole other category. And that's okay. Because if you're, 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 you're suffering less, Jesus suffered. I mean, they put him in the same situation, in the same categories. But becoming like him in his death Uh, What that just meant to me, though, is that we are going to see him because we're going to be like him then. We're going to have a new body. We're going to live with him in eternity forever. And I think that's what Paul's number one priority was. But he, you know, Paul, he had things he wanted to do here on earth first, and he had a mission, and he was on it. And I think if we use that as an example, then we can live our life like that, like Paul did, too. And giving it every last drop until the end, until the time we see Christ face to face. That's one of those verses where you read it in the beginning. You're like, all right, I want to know him. I want the power of resurrection. And then what? Yeah, whoa. Wait a <laughs> the fellowship and his sufferings? He wants to suffer, but they, they go hand in hand. And when God's your priority, you're willing to suffer for him. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's very temporary, yeah. our suffering here on earth. Well, uh, I'm going to look at Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And this is Jesus himself talking. And he says, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Boy, that sounds like you're just really pouring it all out. You know, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Um, And then, of course, the second is like this, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So, that's the important thing, loving God first, making him your priority, and then loving others like yourself. And the the closer you get to God, the more like him you start to act and you start to behave. And we all need to make that a priority, and that is to know God better, mm-hmm. to get as close to him as we possibly can. And uh, we do that through two things, reading and studying his word and prayer. And guys, I think a lot of people get these little devotionals or they have a calendar that has a verse on it. They quickly read it at the beginning of the day and they're like, okay, Lord, thanks. Let's go. And, you know, that's not really making him a priority. I feel it's important to really get close to the Lord and to do that at the beginning of every day. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It, it, uh, I think it's Psalm 119. If you go, it's a very, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, but 
you go and read through that, and it says, uh, David's talking, oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all day. And, and it's, he goes on and on about how important God's word is. Because I think the more you know God's word, the more you know God. Mm-hmm. If you want to know God, you need to know his word. Yeah. So, Brian, let's talk about knowing the word better. It's, it's more than just reading the words, isn't it? It's more than just reading the words. It's, it's really taking a deep dive into the Bible. And, yeah, I just did this this morning. I, this is what I was reading and what I was studying. And I got three pages here of what I came up with on one little verse. Wow. I mean, uh, I, I, we do have a little time, but I want to tell you something about this. I just I chose the verse to look at as um, in uh, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's, it's a simple verse, right? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You now, got three pages on that? Yeah, and I'll tell you what, <laughs> if you guys can see uh, my Bible, I don't know if you can see it, but my mom, this is my mom's, and she's written all the way through it. And so... I, I was taken to see what she had to put in there, too. And she actually went back and, and added a couple verses to begin with that she highlighted of it so that she went um, through the 20, 21st through the 24th. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ. And I go, okay, this this really puts it together, just adding a couple of the verses, and really added on to that one verse uh, for all of sin. But when I started looking in the in the Bible itself here, I have a study Bible, and it started t- taking me to places to look at to where I can justify what he's saying here and, and confirm what he's saying. And a lot of it is right there where he says, for all of sin. Well, the first question is, what is sin? And so the sin is transgression and overstepping of the law, uh, divine boundary between good and evil. It's iniquity and act inherently wrong, whether expressly forbidden or not. It's an error, a departure from right. It's missing the mark. It's a trespass, the intrusion of self-will into the sphere of divine authority. It's lawlessness. It's unbelief. And I'm going, okay, this is this is what sin is. And then, so where did sin come from? It originated from Satan. And it entered through Adam. It was and is universal. Christ alone accepted and incurred the penalties of spiritual and physical death. But sin has no remedy except but in the sacrificial death of Christ. And sin is availed by faith. And sin may be summarized as threefold. An act the violation of what? Obedience to the revealed will of God. It's a state, an absence of righteousness. It's a nature, an enmity toward God. So I'm saying all these things were coming out of just that one verse. And when I looked at it, it says it tells me that I am a sinner, and the only way to be forgiven of my sins is through Jesus Christ, who was a sacrificial lamb for all our sins. That one verse, that's what it means to me. (laughs) And that's, you know, using another source, using your mom's Bible, Mm -hmm. using some commentaries. There's so many sources out there. Right. And, you know, when when I read, I, I ask myself, okay, what does this passage say? And then I ask, what does it mean? But then more importantly, I try to ask, what does it say to me and what does it mean to me? Mm-hmm. And um, Terry, I'm going to save you for last on this exercise because I know you've got a kind of a different acronym that you use, but it pretty yeah. much says the same thing. But I was looking at Romans 8, 38 and 39, which are two of my all time verses, because it talks about Christ's love and how 
It will never leave us. I mean, we can't get away from it. And you read it through it. It says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So that's what the passage says. And then I start getting into what does it mean? And my first question was, why would Paul start with death when he's talking about things that separate us from God? Mm -hmm. And the answer is death is the great separator. It's the one, the final thing that separates us from our loved ones. So Paul just comes out, boom, (laughs) with the biggest one. And then he goes to life, all your experiences in life, all your hurts, your failures in life. Those can't separate you from God. And then it says, nor angels. And it's funny, I was looking at those two words and I got thinking, well, how many angels are there? How many types of angels can there be? And I got into this study of angels that there's a ninefold celestial hierarchy and i won't go into all of them but basically angels are at the bottom and then there's archangels and there's principalities and then the highest angels are cherubim and seraphim and when you look back in genesis uh, god placed the cherubim with a flaming sword to guard the tree of life after he the way to the tree of life after he kicked a man out of the garden um and so he he goes into you know, angels, a spiritual power, nor nor principalities. You know, uh, sometimes principalities can mean uh, the dominion of, of darkness. You know, Satan, they say, is the prince and the power of the air. So angels, principalities, powers, none of those things. So he, he goes from death and life into kind of the spiritual realm. And then he goes into time. You know, neither things right now or things in the future can separate us. So time can't separate us. Then he goes into space, nor height, nor depth, wherever you are physically, nor any other creature, he covers everything there, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what does that mean to me? That means that even though I've sinned, even though I've failed the Lord, there's been times when I've turned my back on him, when I knowingly did wrong, he never left me. Yeah. He hangs on tenaciously. Yeah. And I'm so thankful for that. And that those two verses alone should make us want to give him everything and, and serve him that kind of love that is never going to let you go. And so, you know, when you study and you get into in-depth studies like that, it just opens up so much, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I just think it's helpful that we each give an example of how we approach studying God's Word, because there's so many people out there that really uh, maybe don't have a routine or don't have a process for doing more than reading a devotional or reading a scripture of the day or that side, uh, type of thing. And I think it's so important that there be some variety in what we do and read and that we have a routine where we're, we have the energy to and, and not be distracted and have enough time to really effectively do it. I was, was going to say, that's the key time, spending the time to dig in there. And I, I did use a couple commentaries, Matthew Henry's commentary is one. And then, and then I like to spend some time just thinking on my own and saying, 
okay, can I get my head around this? What does this mean to me? Yeah. And the process I use is one that we have kind of incorporated in our church, and it's called SOAP, S-O-A-P, and that's the acronym. But it's basically the scripture. You find the scripture that you're going to read and study, and then the O is observation. You're observing what's taking place in that scripture. A is for the application. How can that be applied to my life? And then P is the prayer. It's the meditation. It's asking God to allow what took place through that scripture and how we applied it to effectively be part of our life. And so I was thinking, you know, we talked about John 3, the third chapter of John. And if let's say you did that for the day. So you read the chapter. We all know John 3.16, what an incredible verse is. That is. But you know what? God might have picked another verse that he wants to penetrate your heart for on that day. So as you read through, as I read through that, the one that jumped out at me was verse 30. It was further down where John was kind of uh, talking about his he, how he and Jesus interacted. And verse 30 was saying, he must increase, I must decrease. And John was talking to his disciples, and and they were disciples of John. Then there were disciples of Jesus. So the reality is there could have been competition there, just like churches today and ministries today and Christians today. But no, John didn't do it. So my observation is John set the mark high. He set the Mm. example between pride and humility. He knew he needed to step back. He knew that Jesus was the one who needed to be magnified and amplified. So John took that humble role. So that's my observation. Then the application is obviously, okay, Terry, where in your life do you need to work on your pride? Where are those areas in your life? Is it with your wife? Is it with friends? Is it in social media? Where can you apply this scripture and work at being a more humble person? And then, of course, that would be my prayer for the right attitude and humility in my life and and not having pride. So that's another good option if you're looking for different ways to enhance your uh, Bible study. Give it to us again. So scripture, observation, observation. Application, application and prayer. Mm-hmm. Prayer. Yeah. And let's talk about prayer. Sometimes I pray before I read the word and I ask God to give me wisdom and open up something that I need and, and, and I pray after. But prayer and scripture reading go hand in hand as far as our relationship with God. I think that, you know, when we have our quiet time, when we set that time aside, we have to have time to take our requests and our petitions to the Lord, but also to listen. And I think listening is the hardest thing sometimes. We start because your mind starts wandering. You think about all the things you have to do that day. And before long, you're not listening. But to just say, Lord, just speak to me and, and wait in his presence. Do you guys have any clues for doing that or how you like to do that? Well, Romans ten seventeen says faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So mm-hmm. we know that if we want faith, if we want to increase our faith, we have no choice but to hear And so many times people think 
they're waiting to hear this audible voice from God or be woken up in a dream or whatever. But so much of hearing from God comes back to his word and letting the Holy Spirit enlighten you with that. I think, too, that taking that time, it's like meditating on the word there and taking that time and a quiet time with God and listening for him. You may not hear something right there. It may not be something like you said, Dan, might be audible. And you may end your prayer and go on your way. But something during that day might trigger. It's something that somebody might say to you. It's like, oh, that's that's the answer that God's trying to give me. You know, mm. it might be something that you receive in the mail. It could be any little things that he is actually speaking to you. But if you're aware of it and you're keeping your eyes and ears tuned spiritually, then you're going to get messages from him in other ways, too. Absolutely. I, I know a verse that I've worked on my whole life is Philippians 4, 6, where it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, yep. with thanksgiving— let your request be made known unto God. You know, it's so easy to panic and worry first yeah. and pray last. Right. Or we often say, say, well, all we can do is pray. Hey, guess what? <laughs> all you can do is pray. Prayer is a lot. It's all you can do. And But, boy, just to remember not to panic, not to be anxious. Talk it over with God. He knows. And I've struggled with that. I tend to go to the worry side first. And anxiety and worry and those kind of things tend to raise their head when our life is not lined up with the right priorities. Mm. So I want to make sure everyone listening doesn't, uh, you know, when when we think about priorities, we think about our day-to-day life and how we fill every hour of the day. And we haven't specifically addressed that as much as we've addressed the number one priority of hearing God, knowing God, praying, reading his word. And when we do that, those other priorities will kind of line up. The Lord will help you establish your daily priorities with your family and your job and your friends and your money and all those things. And as you rest in that, knowing God's directing it, that's where the peace comes. That's where the anxiety and the worry dissipates because you can have confidence to know that your priorities are lining up with his word. Very true. You know, I talk about in Hurricane of Love and through the journey with Beth how, boy, the moment you hear stage four cancer, (laughs) Your priorities change. Yeah. And I wrote in the book that my priorities were flipped upside down, but ultimately right side up. I was one of those guys that spent way too much time at work, was always putting in the extra hours, the extra tasks, the extra project. And when that happened, of course, God was first, but getting Beth better was right there. And being with her was uh, right there at the top of my list. I didn't want to be anywhere else. So Sometimes God uses things to change our priorities, doesn't it? And get them back in in line. And if you're really seeking him and you're reading the word and you're praying, he's going to help you, as you said, Terry, to get those priorities back. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. right. So the ultimate question, I think I might have referred to this in our last podcast, is not what will we say to the Lord, but what will the Lord say to us? Boy, if you think about that often. Think about that every day. Think about, is this what I'm about to do? Going to please the Lord? Is that something where he's going to say, hey, I was proud of you at that 
moment. We want to hear well done. We want to know that uh, we truly did place him first in our lives. That's the ultimate statement and ultimate thing you want to hear. I know I, I was thinking about my mom and my dad and what it must have meant to them to hear God say that to them because I know what the lives they lived. And I know that there was just a straight shot to heaven for him, you know. And you, you think, uh, think about it, I want to hear those same words. Yeah. Yep, we all do, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a legacy our parents uh, left us. I've been thinking about my mom a lot lately, too, and what she would say or what her advice would be to me. I can hear her voice, and uh, and I know that, too. I just know that she heard the Lord say, well done. Yeah. Man, she was, she was all about prayer and reading the Bible. So <laughs> we're talking about these priorities. Her priority was knowing God and then <laughs> to make sure her children did. And I know both of your parents were the same way. It's interesting you say legacy, Dan. I know we're running out of time, but uh, establishing good priorities lead to a lasting and a positive legacy. That's for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, just before we went on today, Kirsten called me and said, uh, Dad, I, I got this camp I want uh, Brooke and Gavin to go to. And she said, the thing that drew me is it says they start every session out with worship and praise. And I mm. thought, oh, mm-hmm. good to hear. Yeah. yeah. See legacy continue. Well, man, priorities. <laughs> yeah. Subject. We probably could do about 10 podcasts on this, but good to do it at the start of the year. Let's get our priorities right to know God, the power of his resurrection, to love him above all else with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. We are so glad that you joined us. We hope you'll recommend this podcast to others. Maybe give us a review and join us next time for another edition of Finish Strong. God bless. Thank you for listening to Finish Strong. For more information about Finish Strong and Fearless Faith, check out their website, ffaith.org. Make sure that you rate and review this podcast to help more people accomplish their God-given purpose so that together we can finish strong.